Hey guys, welcome back to Bell's View, and I'm your girl, Bell. Today I'll be discussing, and just like that, season finale, episode 10, Seeing the Light, as well as the documentary. I'm not going in any particular order. Charlotte and Harry should have checked ahead of time whether Rock wanted to do their they mitzvah. It shouldn't be once they spent the thousands of dollars on caterers and vendors in the venue, they get there and Rock is like, I don't want to do it. And Harry looks so pissed at his child. He was like, so what the fuck you want to do? And I would have felt the same way. However, they should have listened to the rabbi earlier on because the rabbi was like, Rock don't know nothing about the Torah. Y'all need to figure that out or this ain't going to go well. So luckily they were able to make the use of it. So it became Charlotte's bat mitzvah. And I understand Rock. Rock is 12. They're like, I'm just being me. Like, I'm just trying to figure out who I am. I don't want to label myself under a certain religion. And I love that Rock felt comfortable enough to say that because as someone who grew up in a traditionally religious household where we went to church pretty much every week, like memorizing scriptures, memorizing Bible stories, even went to a private Christian school, where Bible class was part of one of like the core subjects in the curriculum. I was never asked, do you believe in God? You know, do you have, like, do you want to have a relationship with God? Do you label yourself like a Christian? I was never asked that. Are you comfortable with this? I was never asked that. And I think there's some people who grew up in traditionally religious households that were never asked that either. It was like they were raised and they're like, this is what you do. This is what you do, especially given your parents being the authoritative figures in your, in your, in your life. You're thinking, okay, so they're saying I need to do this, so I need to do this. Oftentimes, you don't think about that until later on where you start wondering, do I really believe in this or do I just believe in it because I was required to? So there's that. I will say that venue was nice. I loved like the all the way all the food and the candy was laid out. That spacious ass bar counter, amazing. I would literally go to Rock's Bay Mitzvah just for the food. And it was a great setting for Miranda to reveal to Carrie and Charlotte that she's going to LA for a few months to be with Che as they, you know, build out their pilot. Che's been able to leverage their fan base as a comedian and with the podcast to get a pilot that's based on their life. And of course, they're going to take the shot. They ask Miranda to come with them, and Miranda says yes. And Miranda and Carrie have a disagreement about it that mirrors the episode in season six when Miranda tells Carrie, you're living in a fantasy. You're really going to drop your column, your career, your life, your friends to go off to France with this dude? Are you for real? And Carrie kind of told her in a way you're living in a fantasy and then just like that. And you know, I understand Miranda saying I'm not allowed to change a little bit or a lot. I understand that. However, you decided to go back to school to get a degree that will help you learn how to leverage your experience not only leverage your experience, you literally went back to school to 
pursue a different type of law you feel will be more meaningful and fulfilling and impact more people compared to the corporate lawyer career that was making you buku money. You even applied for a highly competitive internship with Human Rights Watch where Naya even wrote you a glowing recommendation. And you're forfeiting that opportunity to go likely just be on set laughing as Che is filming their pilot or sitting in a live audience laughing, looking like a weirdo, looking like a lunatic. And I feel there is a difference between change and just insanity. And, and, and Miranda, like, it don't make sense. And I said, I've said this many times before. It should not be that Che is the only source of happiness and self-discovery Miranda has. If you think about this entire season, we have seen her... The only forms of self-discovery we've seen her have is talking to Che, laughing with Che, having sex with Che, going to Che's events. We haven't seen her exploring interests outside of Che, or like in a way we've seen that with Naya, her in class, but, out, but we've more so seen it with Che, which isn't healthy because when that relationship ends, then what? Then what are you going to do? Another thing that's unrealistic, I wanted us to see the conversation and the reactions between Steve, Brady, and Miranda as she tells Brady, I'm divorcing your father. We're separating. I'm seeing someone. I'm going to be with them for a few months So in L.A. We deserve to see that conversation play out within this family. We don't even get to see how Brady feels about his mom having an affair, his mother wanting to divorce his father, his mother running across the country to go be with this person they've known for a short period of time. We had a right to see that. And apparently, I had read a few articles, one with the writers, Initially, they set it up where Miranda was going to turn down Che's offer and pursue the human rights internship and stay in New York. But apparently when they were reading it with the crew, the crew said they felt like something was off. They had a lot of discussion about it and thought it would be better if Miranda didn't make the sensible choices she made and just followed her heart. And I could imagine that was exciting for Cynthia to do because Miranda has always been logical and realistic and sensible. She's not one who's typically led with her heart. So to see her be so impulsive is such a transition for the audience, including myself. But there is a major difference between change and just being an idiot. And Carrie even said, what are you going to do? You, you, you're going to sit in, the, in a live audience and just laugh as they film this pilot? Or are you just going to be on set watching them 
do their thing, just laughing. Because it's not even like Cha- like Miranda's going to have time that's been... like It's not like Miranda will be able to hang out with Che 24-7 while they do this pilot. Because they want to get greenlit for an entire first season. They want to have multiple seasons. And that takes a lot of work. And it's hard to maintain a relationship, a marriage, let alone a newfound relationship in Hollywood. So you're just going to hang out on set? Ridiculous. And another thing that's ridiculous. So we go from last episode, Chase saying, you're not my girlfriend, we're not in a relationship, to I want you to come to L.A. with me. What a big-ass jump. I know there's a, they're not in a traditional relationship, but what a big-ass jump. Also, how am I supposed to believe they're in love with each other? We've seen friendly banter. We've seen sex. But we have not seen any longing looks from Che that imply they're in love with Miranda. And Miranda is just infatuated and obsessed with Che. She's not in love with Che. So for you to try to make try to tell me, oh, they're in love, don't insult the viewers. They are not in love. They're in like, if that. Moving along. Carrie. So Carrie goes back to France where Big came to rescue her from Petrovsky, where they professed their love for each other in the season six finale. She felt that he would want his ashes to be scattered there in, in that re- as a resting place because she was trying to figure that out. And I get this is supposed to be emotional because, you know, she's letting go of a part of him to move forward in her life. However, because there have been so many cringy moments in this season because of the terrible writing and the fact that they use Carrie being a widow to get everyone to self to, to pity her and for her to weaponize that against her friends who have more responsibilities than her to do what to to get them to do what them to get them to do what she wants them to do like I didn't really feel anything I didn't feel anything also the fact that her and Big were toxic anyway I I didn't feel much fast forward Che leaves the podcast Carrie ends up having her own podcast called Sex in the City that Franklin is producing, who was the producer on X, Y, and Me, the podcast she was on with Jackie and Che. And they end up sharing an impromptu kiss in the elevator, which is how they end the season. And I know they left it open-ended just in case they get picked up for a season two. I liked the kiss because... You know, we're in a pandemic. I've been socially distancing. It's been a while since I've kissed anyone. So it was nice to see that. I miss that. Second, I'm not surprised because the way he would look at her in the first few episodes, I felt like they were just trying to drop some hints like something's going to happen. And it did. Also, can we talk about how Franklin is the most attractive man that Carrie has ever 
like dated or kissed or been with like his smile his dimples hit that like I like him being a silver fox he's tall and he looks like he has a great ass and he seems kind so if they get picked up maybe they'll date maybe it'll just be a hookup I'm just asking give us him shirtless let us see three to five seconds of his bare ass I feel that we deserve it because there were very few things that redeemed this season Michael Patrick King not even the two dicks you showed us a few episodes ago was enough so this is the payback that we deserve Franklin topless and then three to five seconds of his bare ass Moving along, this season finale was not good. It wasn't good. It was underwhelming. I know it's like ending everyone has their own journey. The fact that the, the Golden Black family is on this new journey of, yes, still being a family, but also the parents adjusting the ideas that they had for Rock, the ideas they had for their children and just embracing them as who they are. Carrie, this new journey, being, having her own podcast, just her, and, you know, being able to leverage her life experience as well as her column and and her book to share with other women who've gone through similar things or to be able to provide them with advice for those who are dealing with situations that she experienced in her love life. And then Miranda, who's on this new journey of not only being a single woman, but a newfound relationship with someone she never thought she'd want to be in a relationship with. And going from corporate law to wanting to focus on social justice to putting that on the back burner to follow her heart when she's constantly used logic to guide her life. I get that. Objectively, you see their three journeys and wonder what will happen next for each, which makes some wonder what would that journey look like in season two. But mm, I watched the documentary. I watched the documentary, went behind the scenes. You see the crew coming together, Michael and Sarah Jessica Parker explaining their process and her becoming Carrie and, you know, how all the bits and pieces of set design and wardrobe go into that. The mix of new cast members and new crew members and and old crew members and and what that means in in bringing this, this story to light, right? It shows me that the show's failings were all on Michael Patrick King. Yes, him and Sarah have a close relationship, have had a close relationship since she was a producer on the original series, but he's the one who was in the writer's room. She wasn't. He was the one in the writer's room. He was in charge of the writer's room. 
I would have preferred this documentary go behind the scenes into the writer's room so we see all of the writers and know exactly who is writing what character storylines. And I said this on Twitter. I don't dislike Che. I dislike the writers or writer who wrote their lines because it wasn't even like... You didn't even get to see Che's depth, really. You, you, you know, even though they're a comedian and they're outgoing, they like their privacy, they like their boundaries, they like to have their space. But it was a very... It, it was just surface level. That's what I would have preferred to see. And I read an article where Variety had interviewed Sarah Jessica Parker about this show. And she said that she kind of did like a media blackout because she didn't want to like look at the, the feedback or whatever because it doesn't help her as an actor. And Kristen Davis does this, did the same thing. Cynthia Nixon didn't. She was the only one who was really speaking out on like some of the criticisms that viewers had compared to the other two. I understand that Sarah was excited and, and scared at the same time to come back because she wanted to do it well, and then she was also excited about coming back. And then on top of that, Willie Garson passing and the Chris Noth allegations, but particularly with Willie Garson passing and him being one of her longtime friends for over 30 years nearly 40 that's a lot and not really being able to take the time to like grieve and process that because then you're going straight into hocus pocus right after finishing and just like that 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 makes sense however I do feel that if they do a season two her Kristen and Cynthia should look at some of the criticisms so that they are able to leverage their power and their influence, especially Sarah, to tell Michael, hey, I think you need to be addressing and, and, and just you should be um, discussing these particular topics or themes in the writer's room for season two so that we can be better. And I'm not saying they read through every comment. I'm not talking about the idiots who felt it necessary to make negative comments about Kristen Davis's plastic surgery, those who have made transphobic and homophobic comments about Che, those who have made, you know, dis disrespectful comments about Sarah Jessica. I'm talking in terms of those who have been critiquing the writing left and right since the day this series premiered that will be helpful and, and Sarah has said she'd be interested in a season two so if you are I need you to read some of the critiques and discuss it with Michael so that the writing is better next season that's what I need also, I read that she said she wouldn't want Kim Cattrall to come back. And some people were like, you're being petty because Kim already said she ain't coming back. Here's the thing. I didn't know that 
there were there was misalignment. There were certain things that Kim wanted for Sex in the City 3 that didn't align with what Michael and and Sarah and maybe some of the executives wanted. And as a result, it didn't happen. And it was probably the same thing with this reboot too. And Sarah claims that Kim has expressed some feelings publicly, you know, regarding the show and and the franchise and wouldn't feel comfortable. And that makes sense. I guess I don't understand why she felt the need to say that because people already think you have a beef with her and you making that statement just reaffirms that rumor that you have beef with her and if that's how you feel then Samantha should no longer be mentioned in this series they've been using Samantha like Samantha's been communicating with Carrie from time to time through text messages and it sounds very Samantha and it's funny because folks online were like damn Samantha's still like the best written character on this whole show And she is still well-written to just be communicating through text message and you don't hear her voice. And I know they said that Kim and Samantha are two separate things, and they are. However, with the communication between Samantha and Carrie, Kim not coming back to the show and you saying you don't want her back, I think it would be a bit weird to still have her character exist in the series through text message. Because with that, it gives viewers hope that Samantha will pop up. And when we think of, when we see Samantha responding to Carrie's text messages, excuse me, We're thinking not only about the Samantha we know and love, but her likeness. And her likeness comes from Kim Cattrall. So yes, they are two different people. But they come in the same body. So if you don't want her to be on the show, even if she wanted to come back, I think you should stop showing these text messages. And people said, are we really doing this where, like, Samantha's only talking to Carrie? But here's the thing. Even though these women are, cl- are were, were best friends, are best friends, it was obvious that every one of them were best friends with Carrie and then became close with each other. You know what I mean? Like, Like, Carrie is Charlotte's best friend. Carrie is Miranda's best friend. Samantha was Carrie's, like, Carrie, Carrie was Samantha's best friend. So it does make sense why she would be communicating more with Carrie. And you know why as well? And, and Miss Mojo brought this up, too, in a recent video. I, you know what? I think I can include it in the, in the description here. Like, it was like 10 times where Samantha was done dirty. And honestly, 
with Samantha being so sexually liberated and not being as conservative as the other girls in the group, they were always side-eyeing her for that. And when disagreements took place, especially if it's like a, yeah, when disagreements took place, it did feel like Charlotte and Miranda sided with Carrie. So I could understand why Samantha's not talking to them because they may have just taken Carrie's side. And even though they've all been friends for over 30 years, if you remember from either the first, the first film or the second film where they show the year that Carrie met each of them, Carrie, Miranda, and Charlotte have known each other longer than Samantha. But, like, it's like a two, three-year difference, but still. But still. I say this all to say it makes sense why Carrie's the only one who's communicating with her. Because, of course, they would take her side. They've known her longer. And Carrie has a way of making people pity her. And... Even though they love Samantha, Samantha, they've always looked at Samantha as the one who, who's quote-unquote out there. So there's that. I'm thinking, am I missing anything? I don't blame the actresses for the show's failure. I don't blame the actresses for the show's failure. I blame the Michael Patrick King. If y'all are going to get picked up for a season two, which is a strong possibility because there was a mix of people who liked it and hate watchers, you need to add more writers to the writer's room. More diverse writers, not just, not just writers who aren't white, but also writers who happen to be queer, writers who are non-binary, so that they're writing these characters in a way that don't feel surface level, that don't feel like you're trying to teach your, the, at least the white audience a lesson on like race and stuff. Chase should be written better. Chase shouldn't have just been a comedian and a podcaster that enlightens Miranda's miserable life. We should be able to see their depth. And if y'all get picked up for season two, y'all should... Also, I understand why Sada wouldn't be responding to people because people have been being assholes. And the whole Che Che is the worst TV character? No. No, Che is not. There are characters on TV shows that have... are are not... like Like, Che is not the worst television character. The writer who wrote their lines is one of the worst writers, but not, not Che. My God, like there, there are characters that are murderers, okay? There are characters that have done far worse than Che being in a relationship or having an affair with a married woman. So get out of my face with that. What would I want for season two? Uh, 
fleshed better, more characters that are fleshed out, especially Che and Naya. What else would I want? I want to see Seema's apartment. We know she has money. She's described that she has a spacious, beautiful apartment. Show us the apartment. Based on that day mitzvah, it looks like Charlotte and Harry spent thousands, maybe tens of thousands of dollars on that, that day mitzvah. Somebody said it looks like they spent a hundred grand on it. So again, Michael Patrick King, you mean to tell me Charlotte and Harry can afford to spend tens of thousands of dollars, maybe even a hundred grand on this day mitzvah? For Harry to only be able to afford a two-bedroom penthouse apartment where their teenagers share a room? Make that make sense. Make it make sense. You showed us that beautiful-ass penthouse apartment Carrie and Big had for like two, two and a half episodes. You showed us that sharp-edged, that like sharp-edged, Apple Store-looking cold, isolating penthouse apartment that overlooked the Hudson River that Carrie played sleepover in for a couple of days. You showed us LTW's bomb-ass apartment. That shit is fly. Show us Seema's apartment and add a third bedroom into the set design for the Golden Blatt's penthouse apartment and stop playing games with me. Chain needs to be fleshed out if you bring back Naya, Naya needs to be fleshed out. If you bring back Miranda, Miranda needs to be doing more than just fucking Che as like, I'm happy now. We need to see how Brady is taking this. We need to see how Steve is handling this. I want to see Carrie have her friends on the podcast because their conversations is what interested us in this whole show to begin with because of their diverse perspectives. I don't want to see just her talking to people, calling in. What else do I want to see? I want to see Charlotte hang out with LTW more, but I also want to see Charlotte kind of get back into art gallery stuff, whether she's like on a volunteer board or, or, or like on a volunteer board or something. I want to see that. Because you could tell that's still in her heart. Don't use Samantha as text messages because you're using that to nostalgia bait us and give us hope that she could come back. And even though I like Aiden, don't bring him back. Carrie wasted his time. She had an affair with Big while with Aiden, guilted Aiden and taking her back, rejected his proposal, and had the nerve to invite Big, the man she cheated on him with, up to Aiden's cabin during their couple's retreat. And then fast forward, you're married to Big. Things are getting a bit monotonous and boring. And when you see Aiden in Abu Dhabi, you then kiss him? No, you don't deserve to even have a friendship with Aiden, the way you played him so many times. And I wouldn't want them to bring him back because if Michael has the same idea in his head, it would be like, oh, 
me and my girl, me and my wife divorced or my wife passed to give to, to give us a reason that it's a possibility for Carrie to 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 find love with the one that got away. Like, I, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. I want to see Carrie and Seema hit more clubs and lounges. I want to see them shopping, being fabulous. What else? Is there anything else? Yeah, that's, that's what I have to say. That's what I have to say. Anyway, I know I've been ranting. Tell me what you think. What did you think of the season finale? Did you watch the documentary? Will you be watching a season two if it comes out? And do you even think they need a season two? You can hit me up at Bell in Progress on Twitter. That's B-E-L-L-E in Progress. That's B-E-L-L-E in Progress. Or you can feel free to send in a voice message here. This way I can incorporate it into the next episode. Or if you want, I will be posting a question in the community section that will be available on Spotify if you're listening from Spotify. And you can say something there and I can incorporate it into next episode. Also... Based on the show and, you know, dealing with dysfunctional marriages, I'm thinking about reviewing scenes from a marriage. I've watched it like three, four times, and it's something that I've been wanting to review for like the past few months, but just hadn't got to. So let me know your thoughts on that. Would you like me to review scenes from a marriage? Also, I just finished Big Little Liars. I mean, Big Little Lies, which I will be reviewing as well. So let me know. Would you like to see me or like to hear me talk about Big Little Lies or scenes from a marriage or anything else? All right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. And I will be talking to you guys soon. Bye. Oh, and another thing that I forgot to mention. How the fuck... Did we go a whole season and did not see Carrie Bradshaw go to therapy? She literally saw her husband die in front of her eyes. She watched the coroners literally carry his dead body on a stretcher out of their beautiful penthouse apartment, which was their happily ever after home. That's always going to be a memory that she has of him. And you mean to tell me Miranda and Charlotte, nor... Anthony or Stanford recommended she go to therapy. This whole season transpired within a year and she didn't go to therapy. Unrealistic. Unrealistic.